This is Security Download, your ultimate source for the latest developments in private security. Host Honor Redmond will bring you the inside scoop, groundbreaking trends, and exclusive interviews with leading experts in both residential and business security. Security Download is powered by Brav, delivering tech-forward, customer-service-focused private security. So for today's security download, I am super excited to intro you to our next guest. He's a visionary leader passionate about leveraging technology to improve the way people interact with real estate. He's an entrepreneur. His background is in tech. He's ex He has extensive experience in real estate. He is the founder of Pineapple. I am so excited to introduce Steve Bonaventure. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mariana. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate uh, being on here today. Thanks for joining us. Um, so diving right in, um, tell us about security problems within multifamily real estate. Absolutely. So I think, you know, the uh, quick way of kind of describing it, I've been in the industry now uh, 15 plus years, and we've seen a rapid uh, transition as technology uh, has been able to help property management companies to uh, better address security, uh, especially as it relates to um, what I term as non-residents who are living uh, at their community, which present uh, the, you know, the highest risk in terms of premise liability, um, OSHA liability towards employees. Um, so my track record heavily is related towards introducing technologies that help property management companies be able to mitigate those risks. Mm -hmm. And I think where the industry uh, is going, or maybe the next frontier of the industry is, you know, so I'm in the self-guided touring space, the vendor, self-vendor access space, uh, which is part of a larger ecosystem, um, which is frankly catching multifamily up to like what you would see in Lyft or Uber. Yeah. And what I would say like in the security space is, um, as we're opening up our properties and letting more consumers be able to have direct access to the product, which in this case is an apartment building, um, we need to start looking towards uh, models like Lyft and Uber and Airbnb. And what I would say in the security related spaces, when Uber and Lyft, all these guys first came in the market, people were like, man, like every third ride, someone's going to get kidnapped, murdered awful things are going to happen. I remember gonna... that. Yeah. Was, you know, With Airbnb, a... I think the quote when they pitched was like, you're going to lead to someone being murdered. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like you Very think dramatic. years ago, people were like, oh my God, they're going to have a nanny cam in and like, I don't trust it. And you know what? Years later, we all look back and it seems silly, you know? Yeah. Does stuff happen? Absolutely. I don't mean to make light of it. Like, you know, there are high profile cases of like, someone getting nabbed in an Uber, awful things. But when you break it down statistically, it's very low. And the reason for that mm -hmm. is that technology is really tremendous at mitigating that risk. You know, my last company, Checkpoint ID, is a perfect example of it. Where... And hold, well, we're going to hold your yeah. horses there for a second because I want to come back to my first question. Um, Please. And I love, I, like, our listeners are super excited to learn about what you do. I think it's absolutely fascinating. And we will leave ample, ample time for that. Um, but I wanted to lead in, you know, when we did our prep call to chat about what we're going to chat about, the, the chat before the chat, as it were, um, you had so many really, really interesting insights. And, and in fact, at one point, you you threw out this quote of basically, 
you said, I wonder if multifamily is oblivious to security stuff. And so what I want to know is like, give us the rundown of like, here's the stuff that's on the horizon, but where do you see the gaps? Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, multifamily by nature, uh, the gaps are built in in a good way in the fact that the Fair Housing Act is one of, you know, 1960s legislation, Civil Rights Act. It's tremendous. It protects people. But the flip side of it is, is that we are limited in what we're able to ask our consumer before they mm. show up. You can't do a background check on someone when they show up and just say, I'm interested in living here. It opens up to screen, all this stuff. Nobody ever would do that in their right mind. Uh, so really, I would say what the challenge is in multifamily is due to our unique and sensitive nature as housing suppliers uh, bound by FHA is how do we balance risk mitigation with legality, you know, mm. on that end? Um, so that, if that answers your question, I, I, I think it's a, a bit of a, a you have to, so if I put it in more uh, succinct terms, it's leveraging um, public databases, it's leveraging private databases in a way to be able to, at minimum, be able to create a risk algorithm to determine if letting this person just access your property is mm -hmm. kosher or not. Uh, so I think that's what I'd say, is that you never get to do like the full uh, haymaker punch on this. You got to totally. kind of pull your punches and, and do it a little bit tactfully, if that makes sense. No, and, it, and it's scary, right? Like you're, you want to be doing the legal and the just and the fair thing. You also want to be safe. And you uh, threw out this quote when we chatted, you said, I've known over a dozen property managers that have died in 15 years or oh, known okay. of not you know, I think these weren't people you personally had gotten to know. Um, that's a scary number to me. And so what's the, you know, do you find that within security, the, sorry, not within security, within multifamily, there's anxiety around that or are people kind of hiding their heads in the sand? Interesting. So, you know, that quote, what really came out of was my first company, Apartment Guardian. And TLDR, basically what Apartment Guardian was, it's before smartphones became so ubiquitous where you'd hit a side button and get emergency response. Uh, most properties weren't allowed to carry their phones on them if they were on tour. So it was a way to be able to, for lack of a better word, it was a mobile version of the bank teller being able to hit the button under their desk and pull location uh, and mm -hmm. all of that. And, and what I'd say is to directly answer your question is, yeah, by a larger industry, I think, you know, there is uh, bones deep knowledge that, you know, you're dealing with the public. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, OSHA classifies it as a higher risk job working on property stuff. managers. Yes, not the highest risk. It's not the equivalent of like uh, being a telephone line worker by uh -huh. any means, but it's like a mid tier risk level where, you know, you and I don't have this risk, but you know, random person comes in right now while yeah. you're sitting there. You know, if you, I, the, the, the analogy that I always, or the story I always use for this is back when uh, multifamily first started people would pay their rent at the uh, actual corporate office. You know, you mm -hmm. go in, and this is like 70s type level. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden things started happening, you know, you have someone who's getting evicted, someone who's late on their rent, and then they get angry at the owner of the company. And then they mm -hmm. kind of had this aha moment of being like, wait, wait a second, let's put a barrier between this. And that's what my first company dealt with. It was situations in which one, a leasing agent would be on a tour, and that's what I was referring to. There was a famous yeah. case in Dallas where it was, I want to say 13, 14 leasing agents were sexually assaulted, uh, all within oh, a tight period of time, within a decade ago. 
uh, and that was one side of what Apartment Guardian dealt with, um, where it was like, you know, you're in a unit alone and you're yeah. no way of knowing who this person really is, you know, and they could get help. Um, so I'd say the leasing agent side, you know, there's always been that inherent risk in there. But then the mm-hmm. property manager side, it's, you know, it goes back to that thing where there's a reason you're not paying corporate anymore and you're paying it to the property manager who lives at the actual property it's worthwhile to be able to put someone there who deals with it. And it's like, it's just, it's us. It's, you know, just someone standing there, and you know, a MMA fighter, you know, someone yeah. comes in and they threaten them. It's a, it's a threatening position. So that's a lot of what my past dealt with was those types of situations uh, that occur on site. And what I've done since is trying to be able to, my first company was reactionary. It was reactionary mm-hmm. security. What do you do when something's and that's a very important side of security. But the area I'm more interested in is how do you prevent a situation from occurring in the first place? And totally. I believe that that's where technology can kind of come and play and be able to, to mitigate those risks uh, ahead of time. Yeah. And it, it sounds like, you know, obviously with the touring, which is what your current company does, and I'm, I'm excited to dive into pineapple in a minute, um, you know, there, there's an element of prevention. Um and obviously there are, there are some other cases where you're obligated to like let strangers onto the property, whether it's because they're delivering something or someone has let them in or, or there's, you know, tons and tons of situations. And so I'm curious whether you just, just in our current climate are seeing more anxiety around that, both from property managers and tenants, like, are, are they paying more attention or is it kind of about the same? Um, I think at the end of the day, I, I don't have a, an exact answer I can give you where I can like say, hey, here's a quote from a, a, a yep. property manager. What I can tell you is um, it's kind of interesting. A lot of what our entire brand is built around is if you've ever, you know, dropped in at any multifamily site, there's the uh, will return sign. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ubiquitous. It's like every totally. single one. It's got a little apartments.com on top of it or whatever it is, right? And what I'd say is that's where a lot of the issues have always arisen in multifamily as it relates to my always, my whole thing is always about staff. It's about the people yep. who work. My clients are our are, are mutual client. It's a multifamily property. Mm-hmm. The residence is different. Um, but what I'd say is, you know, that will return sign was always a very indicative thing of what our industry is, which is we run a 300 unit apartment building mm-hmm. with a half a dozen people. And that's changing. It's going down to less people. So I always like, those are those baselines that I always come back to. And I hope you don't mm-hmm. take this uh, in a bad way, but it's a mm-hmm. thing where our industry heavily skews, you know, where you're talking about like, it's going to be a thing where you're going to have four out of the six people at that property are going to be, you know, women under 40 years old or so, you know, totally. where it, it's a thing where it's like, in, in fact, and the reason why I say that, just because I want to kind of give credit, and I'm not saying that as like, sexist thing is the number one thing that led to incidents of violence uh at apartment guardian were when a property manager just you go on site a lot of these it's a small group of people they're kind of mm-hmm. like your family away from home and someone happened to the property manager and they call the maintenance guy down to the office and be like jim this guy is going kind of what do we do here we i, mm-hmm. I need some help and you know that guy who is not willing to take that next level and elevate to the property manager uh had no problem sucker punching that maintenance guy getting it into it and 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 really what it is it's a larger theme of at the end of the day i don't know if you've seen a lot of this but like staffing shortages in our industry are serious like people are walking away from the industry 
And that's what I would say is at the end of the day, maybe people don't recognize it, but what it is, is, you know, I had a client I'll never forget in Atlanta and they were like, look, there used to be four maintenance guys at my huge property. There are two guys now, one of them barely ever shows up, you know, mm. they're kind of a bad employee. And that's my point is there are less people there. Yeah. That's always what the underlying safety issue is at multifamily mm-hmm. is my former business partner, Ryan always put it this way, where he was like, being a property manager is like, uh, being the mayor of a small town or a village, mm. you know, you have that a 300 unit, 300 unit building. That means you're managing what? Six to 800 souls. All who have the messy, messy, gunky things of life and divorce mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. losing a job and all these things. And it's like, I, I, I didn't ask you before we get yeah. on this, what the rules were, but I hope this isn't bad. My dad always said it's shit rolling downhill. Shit rolls downhill right to that property manager, right? You know, so it's like at the end of the day, everything we can do in our power, mm-hmm. they have no choice about yeah. being on the, on, uh, 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 I don't know any other way of saying, but being on the front lines mm-hmm. of engaging with mm-hmm. customers. Mm-hmm. We pay them to be our face and we should do everything we can to be able to make sure that they're in as safe of a position as they can be. That not only makes a lot of sense, but um, really, really dovetails with what we're seeing too. And, you know, we, this, this shows about you, we chatted briefly about Brav, which is the company that I'm building and that is sponsoring our podcast. Um, and as we've been, and, and we specialize in, in guard management, and as we've been doing a lot of deep dives with clients, um, particularly in the property management space, we have heard is sort of what you said over and over again, that ultimately it's not a lot of people and you have to catch everything that comes your way and you never know what's coming. Um, and it, you know, it, it is tricky because you're in a very vulnerable position. So I'll, I'll reverse it back to you and ask you a question. Please. I, I, I theorize about this and, you know, I can't use the name because it was the name of the last company I did uh, of Checkpoint. Mm-hmm. I want someone to explain to me why every single person who's not a resident of the community doesn't have to just go through this one central checkpoint to be able to make it. So I, I, I will hold back everything about pineapple. But one thing I have to explain is it's got an embedded camera on the kiosk. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's like, well, wait a second. If you're on the lease, cross right through. You've got access, go through. But if you're a vendor, if you're a dog mm-hmm. walker, if you're an inspector, if you're, it does not matter what you are. If you are a person who is not on a lease yeah. to live on those grounds, whether you're the boyfriend of a resident or any of those other things I described, there should be one place where you can timestamp through and be like, boom, you know, Jen showed up at this time. Here is a picture of Jen when she showed up so that, you know, if something happens in between or Jen decides three months later, she's mm-hmm. moving into with her boyfriend. Yep. She's not on the lease. They have a track record. And, and I want to pause. The reason why I use that as a specific example, that was the number one thing after eviction that led to a thing at my first company, Apartment Guardian, of an mm-hmm. incident where a property manager would get hurt. It no always kidding. traced back to a thing where it would be, I'm not going to reenact it but let's just say where someone comes down and it was always the same thing it was eh, you know i started well i I think we need the story so it was it was someone moved in when they weren't supposed to not someone this happened like on a regular basis and what it is is you know someone's living there they're on the lease and the rule is if you are living at the property you need to be on the lease because it legally ties you to all the rules and regulations of living there and what ends up happening oftentimes is you have uh here's the deal it's like anything else it's um I'm sure it happens 
a hundred times as often as people ever care uh, report mm -hmm. and it has no issues but it is the issue of when you have that person and they're a little bit of a loose cannon yep. and they move in and then they're coming and then the manager finally like they're like hey man I've seen you in the pool for the last eight <laughs> weeks you're not on the lease you gotta do you want to live here just sign the lease you don't no, no increase in rent just you gotta be on the lease you can't mm -hmm. be on not. and I think it's fascinating to me because again like after like almost two decades in the industry you have common themes that come up that are just that's what I like about this industry it's like I want to say it's a four-piece puzzle but it's there are some simple truisms there are patterns. that exist yeah well, you know what it is, is there's best practices. That's really yeah. what it is. And and what it is, is like, I don't want to get off, uh, we can get back on topic after this. But mm -hmm. like, the reason I bring that up is a thing where, again, go back to the city. You're managing a, a small city of people. And what it is, is like, you're not their friend. You're the property manager. You're the totally. boss. And like, it's hurting cats, you know? So it's like, if you don't have a firm control over who is on your tree at any given time, mm -hmm. I mean sit in on an insurance meeting for these guys. And what it is, is like, they're getting down to like every nitty gritty detail because they are terrified hmm. that they are going to get sued by someone who slip and falls on their property hmm. or, you know, uh, whatever the case is. So I'll let you get And you had, you had, and so actually that, that dovetails nicely into another topic that we kind of previewed a little bit, which is premise liability. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you see that really intersecting with security and what are the things that, you know, if a property manager is listening to this and, and as I shared with your audience is typically, you know, either groups of people who need to hire security or security companies looking to learn about their clients um, for, for the, that first group, the, the sort of property manager group, um, what do they absolutely need to be keenly aware of when it comes to the intersection of premise liability and security? Yeah, yeah. So what I would say is like, you know, um, the old model of, you know, where you have someone escorting someone around a community, whether it's a vendor or a renter, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not as much of a risk because at the end of the day, it's, you know, someone says they hurt themselves and then you have your leasing agent who's like, no, I was standing there. I've got a second witness. They just jumped off the curb, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. A lot of different situation when you're talking about um, making it so that uh, non-residents can be able to self-access the community. You got to really have a hard thought around it. And that's why, that's why I'm in this space. Look, I'm just building on what my last company was. We were the premise liability company. And now I'm adding on a layer of it that's talking yep. about you know the leasing. What I would say directly to answer your question is if you are going to start letting people uh, come onto your community. Again, not just renters, also vendors, mm -hmm. anybody, anybody who's there. The best thing you can do is just create a paper trail. And that's yeah. one of the, like, it's crazy. I'll be on a meeting and I'll like stop every time and be like, I know this is boring, but let me talk about terms and conditions. And before someone steps foot through and gets a code mm -hmm. to pineapple to be mm -hmm. able to access they got to agree to the terms and conditions. And, mm. and, and what that's talking about, I don't know if this fits directly with security, mm. but like, look, take California as an example. My last company mm. blew up because the eviction laws are so wackadoo in California that like- And, and we're in California you, and we've interviewed numerous property managers here that have shared the same thing, their their deep frustration with, with the way that some, some of the Laws One of the best people in California related to PII, I can send you the information after, is check out, you should have her on here, Melissa Mayer. Okay. Uh, she came from Avalon Bay, 
uh, was on the front lines of uh, really uncovering a lot of um, the identity fraud that's racking uh, California. Uh, we need to follow out. up with her. That sounds great. She's awesome. She's super smart. Um, so I think she might have some inside thought on it. But yeah, again, what it is, is all of this stuff comes down to, you know what, there's an entire classification in security. It's called uh, the know your customer. Yep. That's all this boils down to is at the end of the day, if you're, you know, you're physically there, it's a different type of security. This is security where you need to be smart about it. And what I advise people to do is actually take it back a step and mm-hmm. be like, wait a second, you're not on your own. You're back, like, we were talking to a client in Pennsylvania, and I was like, no, you got the Commonwealth's entire state legal system and the federal legal system backing you. Like, you can't do these. In other words, like, if someone comes in and they, I don't know, I'm not going to say awful things about a podcast, but they do something that is a crime, Mm -hmm. California state law, it covers you on that. You can't, like, it's not a thing where someone walks onto the property and it's like, okay, they're on self-tort. Now they murdered somebody. Now it's not a no. It's still a crime. It's like all, all the things they're coming up with are the same thing as the Lyft and Uber thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh guys, come on! Like if a Lyft driver like takes off with somebody, you have their ID, you did a background check, you know them, and that's all it comes back to is we can sit in navel gaze forever, being like the what ifs on yep. if someone does it. But the reality is, is the entire Western civilization has been built on a legal system. That's yep. the thing that works is if people understand, and, and, and to, to make a very clear point on this, that this isn't theoretical. Mm-hmm. When we first started Checkpoint, you know, people were going through, they were scanning. Do you know the thing that stopped people from, uh, like, we put up a stupid sticker in the, the window of the door, you know, when you come in the leasing office mm-hmm, that said, mm-hmm. this this property verifies IDs before tour. And then we'd have managers call them back, be like, dude, someone just walked up to the door and they walked away. Like, <laughs> what are you, like, you're, you're chasing away uh, leads for us. And I was like, no, I'm no, no, I just you. saved you yeah. a fraud case. Like yeah, that person yeah. looked and like, they're going down to Bob's property next door that was the guy who called and said, hey, you know what? Now nah, we're all set. We don't have an issue. And it's like, now it's their problem. You should be so lucky. So that's why wow. I always like preventative, preventative matters most. Most people, look, again, I always go back. Like my history is very long. This apartment guardian, man, we would deal with like a thing where it was like, there's always the common thing where no money is held on site. Mm-hmm. They make a big point of saying there's no cash here. Mm-hmm. Man, we would have people where it's just like, you'd have a meth head who come through they're not reading they're reading backwards they come into the office they assault you know whatever there's nothing you can do if someone's not in their right mind but the reality is is most people are in there and and that like that's the reality someone comes in and they're crazy like there's nothing i can do about that yeah but but for your average person who like really what we're talking about the kind of things we're trying to prevent is more of someone being a jerk that's really what it is that's yeah. what a lot of this, like the security. Or opportunistic, right? Because there are definitely people that go looking for opportunities intentionally. Well, yeah, it's that guy who comes in and they're like, call up Kappa 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 and are like, yeah. who's bringing the keg? We got a new place right here. We're going to burn this place down tonight. I don't know. I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's the kind of thing they're really worried about is more like, what would my son do if I had, they had complete unfettered mm-hmm. access? To him? Mm-hmm. But, but no, I mean, does that make sense though? In kind of what it is to get to no, the original no, point? No, no, it totally about, does. And, I, and I think that's a great answer. And, and to sum it up, you know, basically what you're saying is that 
there are all these tools at our disposal now to provide the data that can either act as a deterrent or, you know, and this is the part that I also find fascinating, you get to see patterns, right? Like if, as you noted, like if someone's in the pool every day, I think there's there's even a difference between the manager saying, hey, I saw you in the pool versus a uh, data repository saying, here are all the 42 times that you walked past that are time stamped, right? Mm-hmm. And and to yep. me, I think providing, like making that easy for clients on that end. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that that uh, Brav is working on that are that are in the same vein, not not that specific use case, but just around like, what do people hiring security or engaging or deploying security get to do if they have data and they're well, not then, yeah. guessing? And that's magic to me. So that's fascinating to me. Where I think of like the. Um... You go through price points in our industry of what are the things that are like the the capex nightmares. Yeah. We're not nightmares, but like let's be honest, security can get expensive. Get very expensive. Guards are criminally expensive. Correct. Most and, and that's a towards... challenge. Yeah, and and there's a lot so, of yeah, a whole nother so conversation. It, it is fascinating. One of the things that we're developing right now is the ability where you're basically you're able to heat map and be able to see. Again, the idea by by classification, being able to be like, oh, interesting. So this is where like most of our vendor work the last 12 months have. This is where our mm-hmm. renters. And the point is, it's like, look, every single security camera you get installed is pricey. It is yeah. really pricey. It's a yeah. decision you have to make. And I think, you know, those are the kind of things where if I were, if you indulge me here on kind of a future thinking of this Please. is, look, um, you know, the talk right now is about centralized leasing, already centralized maintenance has come up. Assistant managers are slowly being, seems like, I mean, it's seen as like a dead end job at this mm-hmm. point, because it's like, you need to become a property manager, but like, it's kind of whatever. My point is, is the only thing left is the property manager. Yeah. And where we are moving more and more is uh, one, I believe, you know, if you fast forward 10 years from now, it's where AI is taking over more and more of what I'd say the first, like if there's last leg delivery and shipping where AI takes care of 90% of it. And then you have a remote, what we would call honestly, like probably like a junior regional manager now who's Mm -hmm. overseeing five properties, making that last 10% decision, Mm -hmm. basically hitting the button that says, I disagree or I agree with AI Mm -hmm. executing it. But really the reason why I say that is I think what's actually fascinating is camera technology is evolving uh, mm-hmm. tremendously at well uh, as well of being able to more drop and deploy them. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is I believe security will always be necessary, but I think that's the output that will come from it is we're going to become more and more reliant on our security companies uh, yeah. to provide, for lack of a better word, an eye in the sky. Uh, hmm. throughout our property. In other words, like if you're going to a thing- Like a mobile, property, are we talking a mobile security camera? Is that what you're thinking? Like a like a drone that moves around or- I'm talking like factor? at the end of the day, the ability, I think, uh, you know, it starts, everything always starts off in the simplest ways. So the ability to be able to have a camera over your package locker area mm-hmm. and not necessarily mm-hmm. be- Look, like, okay, take that as just the most minute thing. This is some of the stuff that, like, it's just the stuff that time stuff is where it's like, hey, you got to go check out the mail center, make sure there's not a bunch of stuff all on the floor or whatever, uh, you know. And that's the property manager doing that. Why the heck can you not just pop in on a camera yeah. and be like, yeah. looks clear, good. Yeah. 
you want to see the pool pop up. Now, does that mean you don't have to ever send someone to site? No, absolutely not. But, and I'm not saying that's there yet. I'm saying that's where I believe the industry is going to migrate towards is more and more decentralized or centralized, however you mm-hmm. want to refer to it. Uh, centralized management of the assets. And, you know, when you think about it, it's like, okay, we have, you know, optical sensors, we yep. have auditory sensors. You can't use the fingers because you're a hundred miles away. My point is, is we have only so many ways we're able to read uh, information out of sensors. And I think at the end of the day, the ability to be able to, um, you know, use a mix between camera technology, RFID technology, you know, uh, uh, BLE technology to be able to kind of remotely be able to see a pulse of your property and understand at any given time, like what's happening on it. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And I now would love to shift gears and talk Please. about pineapple because I think that leads us very nicely into that. <laughs> um, so, so give us the quick pitch to all the property managers listening. Um, tell us about pineapple. How are you changing their lives? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, like I said, the uh, the will return side for me is the image that matters to me. When I started Checkpoint, we had the most simple idea. And I was every single time you took an ID, you looked at it for safety, tossed it in a desk. And everyone felt fine about that. The idea was you gave the ID back when you came back. Nobody got killed. Yay. And what I said was it blew the <laughs> That's entire... That's always a yay. I like that. The thing I was like to say, very little murder, very little murder. <laughs> Perfect. That is my um, new motto in life. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, keep it exciting. Um, look, uh, we understood that it was like once you kind of, uh, I don't know if this is the right way of saying it, but it's kind of a reductio ad absurd. As, as soon as you stop and are like, wait a second, what was I doing with this ID? Did the desk magically like, think, no, it didn't do anything. You just put an ID in a desk. And I point out to him, like, you have no idea what that person like. That and I, all you had to do is show him, like, hey, this idea was fake. Yeah. And it was the reason why I stopped to say that. I know you asked about pineapple, but what took off the company and like we changed it. Like mm-hmm. TechPoint is now a standard in the industry, one of the largest companies in the industry. And the reason why it was such a simple concept, it was a thing where you looked at that idea and you couldn't look at it the same. Thing. Every single time you took that idea, you were like, I have no idea. Yeah. I gotta call that guy Steve back. This is weird. And people be like, I got kept up at night because it was like, it just messed with their brain. And now I'm not saying this is the same level of it because it's not personal uh, safety in this aspect of it, but the will return sign for me, again, mm-hmm. it's a ubiquitous image. Every property has one of it. <laughs> um, and really what Pineapple, what we're about is it's access automation. So, you mm-hmm. know, we're self-guided touring, we're vendor access. Where after hours access for residents who are, you know, locked out and need a key, all of that, whatever you want to boil it down to the specific need. But what it boils down to is too oftentimes somebody, whether they're a renter or a vendor or whoever else, shows up in a multifamily property and that's the sign they see and they're turned away. And for me, what it is, is that is going to accelerate as more staffing issues become an issue. Because what it is, it's not just leasing people. There's also a staffing shortage on the maintenance tech side. So that's why we do two things. We don't just do this, the, the, the leasing. We also do the vendor access. And the reason why, they're both short-staffed. And, you know, again, to boil it down to like a very visceral thing that people can get, no renter should ever be turned away by that sign. Mm-hmm. No vendor who is your dependable vendor who's keeping your building uh, functional 
functioning should be late for their next job because you were short staffed that day. And yeah. it really boils down to at the end of the day, we have the technology now to be able to allow automated access to properties. And what Pineapple did where we kind of totally changes for one, we don't build off of other people's technology. We actually built everything ourselves. We manufacture in New England, our product. This is like straight up American made and every single part on it is interchangeable, our key mm -hmm. access locker. And the reason why I say that is it's vitally important because the alternate methods of doing this are off of IoT. Yep. And um, I always boil it down. If you want to understand a company, understand what their sales model is. Mm -hmm. Sledge, Yale, August, doesn't matter. Name a smart lock company. They're not a subscription model. They sell hardware. And their hardware is literally considered and classified as disposable hardware. And that's a $230 lock that they're saying in five years, you're going to have to replace. Mm -hmm. And for most of our industry, that prices them out of the equation. You're talking about paying tens of thousands of dollars to be able to provide this automated access that they have to provide. You know, yep. they, they don't really have a choice. It's down to there are two people left in the office. Someone's going to be there to let somebody in. You can't guarantee on a human. You also like if you're a B-class property, like getting an owner to drop $30,000, $40,000 on an mm -hmm. access system, it ain't happening. They, you yeah. know, our product costs, you know, under $2,000 to get set up. Well, it's actually, like, that was going to be my next question because I no feel like maybe, maybe not at the $2,000 price point, but, you know, as we, Brav works at a lot of different areas across the security landscape. And, you know, you and I can have that conversation offline because it'll be fun to explore some more, but <laughs> we did um, a decent amount of work with, with a direct to consumer, uh, model and had a lot of uh, fact-finding conversations with consumers. And one of the things that came up so many times is this, this like, I'm waiting for my plumber, I'm waiting for my da-da-da, I'm waiting for so-and-so. And, you know, people have found all sorts of workarounds and sometimes you make sure that your housekeeper is there to let someone in or whatever. And, and there's this like sense of anxiety. But I, but I guess the question is, is it in your roadmap to create a model that I can stick on the front of my house and like today, I have uh, contractors here working on the bathroom. Um, would I have been able to be like, oh, you know, the, the electrician came at 1210 and then left at whatever? Well, actually, it's kind of funny that you ended on that purpose because that's actually the real hidden thing about it is the time stamping of the in and out. The first thing on why this came up was because someone got completely hosed by one of their vendors. They charged them five hours of labor. They were there and for left like after half an hour. Yeah, they were there for like a buck thirty. You know, they were there for an hour and a half or so. It was uh, amazing, you know, yeah. and they got charged hundreds of dollars, like over a thousand dollars of of bogus fees. Yeah. And so it is interesting that that's the thing you took away from it was the idea of again, imagine it like a ring doorbell where it's like, hey, totally. you're gonna see when the guys showed up, you're gonna see the time, you're gonna see when they left, and yeah. there's no chicanery. And again, go back to the idea of what I'm talking about of this idea of running a property through automation. The only way you can do that is if you're having these data fields in place to be mm -hmm. able to, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, fire off a tripwire, you mm -hmm. know, where it's like, if that person was supposed to be there. So on our system, we're able to say, hey, you know what, that vendor, you're gonna have three hours access. And if they're there four hours, that's fine if they needed that time, but at least now you know what's going totally, on there. Totally. But to answer your question directly, because I don't want to uh, avoid it on the, the specific of the, the smaller building. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, that's in the pipeline. This is just the 
area I've made the last two decades of my life. So it's, you know, these are, these are the folks I know. It's the area I love, you know, uh, but it's fascinating. This is getting extrapolated out yesterday, a whole conversation where like the auto industry is interested in doing this. Hmm. One of the fascinating areas I didn't anticipate is um, 55 plus and 62 plus uh, housing um where different total use case and this is what i love about it it's very malleable where at the end of the day the way i boil it down is if you have a key and you need to securely give it to another person but you can't be there right now that's what pineapple is boils it down we make it safe and secure single sentence um and you know so it's fascinating you talk to like you know uh like assisted living management uh management companies for them it's it's totally different they're not leasing like yeah, yeah. sure like the the kid can come show see the unit or whatever that's usually a bigger deal that's not yeah. a self-tour necessarily but you know what you don't always have someone at the desk you also like don't want to let someone into an assisted living facility without any kind of track totally, or anything. Totally. And there's a lot like, of responsibility on that exactly so they're like well wait a second can we like can like uh you know uh, a kid of a resident be able to like come in here and check in at 11 o'clock at night and like hop into bed and sleep next to mom for the night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, have you've ever had like been yeah. in that situation of, yeah. of older family, like, you know, sometimes it's just like, you can't sleep and you're just like, yeah. you know what, it would be really nice to drive over, be able to see the person you love and not have to talk to somebody, you know what I mean? No, like we, uh, that's you know, a very the, sweet use case. And that really resonates emotionally. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. I think it's, um, again, it's just like the staffing shortage is not unique to our industry. There's, sure. I think we're in a transitional period uh, where people are looking for different, you know, things out of their work life, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, and I think when I first started this entire pineapple idea, what it was is at the time, nothing else existed. I thought mm-hmm. this was going to be like the central system this all plays mm-hmm. out. What it is is I know that this is such a massive market because an entire economy is being built around this with centralization. Like companies are starting to realize that, you know, between AI and automation, they're going to be able to tighten their belts. And I would, I don't want to say close here, but if mm-hmm. I close this thought on it, why that's so vitally important is never mind the the bang up they've had over the last few years with lumber costs and labor costs and all this other stuff. At the end of the day, like the industry by and large, they are trying to figure out how to tighten their belts, streamline their OPEX, uh, to be able to be prepared for the next few years, you know, as interest rates go up, you know, and at the end of the day, what it is, is like, if pineapple is coming in and like, there are all these leasing agents who are just like, please don't take my job. What are you doing? <laughs> the reality is, is the place we're coming in is not a place yeah. that has three, three agents that thrive in, the manager takes them out to margaritas on Friday. No, this is a place where it's like, you know, the property had one leasing agent. They've had the job posting up now for mm-hmm. three months, six months, whatever that is. And they're looking and they're saying, I would love to have a leasing agent again. I really would. It'd be nice yeah. to have one. We really loved when Jen worked here. Yeah. Jen left six months ago. We got to start accepting that we got to figure out a way to be able to keep the pipes flowing and go from there. And that's really, you know, what it is. And why I find it fascinating right now is our industry is starting to accept new ideas. They are starting to realize that they have to change if they're going to survive this period of time. Because look, like we've all gone back to like, when I first started, that's like, you know, time period of like the JPIs existing. Management companies do go out of business. Like I remember like when Tramble and Pro went down, like that was a, a, an untouchable 
and you know whatever it's uh in other words there's been a lot of change over the last you know 20 years or so but and I think I kind of wanted to wrap up with this so I'm glad you're going down memory lane a little bit um you know we have a couple minutes left uh what got you into this you're clearly super smart driven could have picked any industry um most of your resumes in real estate what uh and what inspires you I love that you said that. I couldn't. What I wanted to do was work for, uh, at the time, uh, sounds antiquated because it just feels so old now, but I wanted to work for Homeland Security back in the day. No kidding. Uh, oh, that's so interesting. And and what happened? I mean, not to be a Debbie Downer. It was one of those things where I just, I remember being 16 years old. I was, okay. I was 16 when 9-11 happened. I okay. remember getting pulled down to the auditorium. I always wanted to join the military. Got encouraged not to join the military. Sorry, I'm my real interest is actually history and foreign policy. This is my side hustle. I love it. Well, you have the degree in history, so I so yeah, I figured yeah. there was some history in there, but um what what prevented you from joining the military? Um family encouragement yeah. not to it's kind of the thing where it was like hey we're third generation it's dangerous everybody else my, my entire family all served like every single person right down the line i would be like the oh first they all generation. served oh Absolutely. that's interesting yeah, no. i did not know that that's fascinating oh yeah no no like very decorated the whole bit uh-huh. not in like like the the fancy way more in like oh. you know my uncle mo getting you know was in uh the chosen reservoir and got belted with 50 caliber machine gun, like oh, from his shoulder down to his leg, saving his uh, commanding officer, that wow. kind of stuff. Like just wow. I don't know, cool, goosebumpy stuff where it's like totally. they're just badasses. But and then I wanted to go into intelligence, and then <laughs> and then they said I was too stupid. So um, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> jokes, like jokes on them because now you're making changes that are impacting everything and everyone, and that I bet intelligence wants, but. Um, that's, that's interesting. I, I see the connection. I mean, I feel like this is, this is almost in a way the equivalent of that just in the private sector. And frankly, I would argue maybe impacting more people. Maybe. You know what it is, is I love building things. You know, it's fun. This Mm -hmm. week I get to go into my uh, kid's classroom for, uh, uh, technology take apart day where literally, uh, it's just like bringing in a bunch of like computers and being able to take them apart. And it brought me back, you know, to being a kid of like, Nowadays, with right to repair and all that, you can't take apart anything and do anything. But growing up, it's like I had my old gateway computer, and it was like a new RAM would come out or a new memory, whatever, and I take mm-hmm. something apart and put it back together. That's why I do what I do. And at the end of the day, it's like I like um, disassembling things and rebuilding them. That's what this is. I disassembled the concept of a self-guided tour and said, "How do yep. we? What are the the variable parts on this? And if you disassemble and pull out each individual part." you replace it with a different way of doing it. And if it doesn't fall apart, then you kind of can start proving that you can do it a different way. And, you know, I basically said, hey, we can do this for 10 times cheaper. We don't need to be spending all this money. And if we want to end a multifamily podcast on the most multifamily thing, there's nothing like making a product that is, I don't want to say cheap, but mm-hmm. cost-effective yep. because owner owners, they don't like spending money, you know? And the reason why is you do not know where their acquisition uh, roadmap is, you know? So it's a big sure. thing that like, I understand in this is a lot of these guys, like, look, if you're a buy and hold, you know, you're gonna hold the property 30 years, you want to drop 50 K in an investment. God bless you. Yeah. If you're looking at it and you're like, look, I'm moving on. I'm selling this asset in 24 months. I'm hoping to sell it sooner than 24 months. 
well, you need a solution that matches up on that timeline. And the reality is, is, you know, I think that we're going to be in a highly transactional period of our industry where people are looking to be able to increase their NOI, increase the value of their asset, but perhaps not also over leverage uh, on investment in new technology. So that's what it is. I'm trying to be an easy road. What mm -hmm. do you call it? An easy on-ramp for people uh, to start figuring this out start figuring out their internal policies of how do you run a property uh, without staff necessarily there. Yeah. There are a lot of steps that it's going to take for these guys to figure out before the wings kind of fully open up on this. So if I can mitigate, you know, to use my favorite word, mitigate some of the, uh, the sticker shock that's been mm -hmm. holding them back from taking advantage of this and yeah. they start seeing the benefits, then you can start layering on more and more. But I think we have to start with the first step and kind of, you know, take it one step at a time and move up from there. Absolutely. I think seen from that lens, it's something that is transformative, not just for the real estate, the, the multifamily real estate industry, but, but also uh, promote security in a very meaningful way. Um, and that is our show for today. That's a really good note to end on. Um, thank you so much, Steve. This has been such a pleasure. Um, audience. If you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, share, and I will see everyone next time. Thank you so much, Steve. And that wraps up another episode of Security Download. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at securitydownload.live and be sure to follow on your favorite podcast app.